Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's episode is a little bit different than anything we've ever done before uh, on the podcast and I have to stop myself and chuckle because we is me. Anyways, um, this is a flashback episode, a flashback all the way back to episode two. So this is week 37. Episode two had the fantastic pleasure of my very first guest interview to be with Ellen Smith of Little Bear Furniture. Uh, She's in Ohio and I really enjoyed this uh, episode and this interview because like me she also is a wood carver, wood power carver. Uh, So it was a lot of fun doing this interview and I just thought you know I think we need to have a little bit of a a little bit of a flashback back to, you know, one of my favorites. So this is it. Um, so I will encourage you, if you are new to listening to the podcast, first listen to this whole episode, and then go back and start at the beginning and work your way through. Every guest is exceptional. Every maker mom has an awesome story, awesome journey to becoming a maker, becoming a mom, balancing it all with the rest of the crazy life that it is to be a mom. That's what this show is all about. So please, if you're new, check out all the other previous episodes. Uh, For this week's show notes, I'm going to make sure that uh, you get links to follow Ellen if you aren't already. And since I haven't asked for a while, I'm going to ask you all to go ahead and head over to iTunes, Apple iTunes, uh, give a five-star review of the show, uh, because it really helps out, helps other people find it and it helps grow our community and it's just awesome. So the more we get maker moms listening to it, the better. All right. So with no further ado, this is Ellen with little bear furniture. Yay. Okay. (laughs) I figured it out. All right. That was just me overjoyed talking with Ellen Smith and getting excited that I was overcoming some very initial technical difficulties with my very first interview for the podcast. So welcome to episode two officially of the New Maker Mom podcast. And like I just stated, I interviewed for this episode Ellen Smith of Little Bear Furniture and Bear is B-A-R-E. That's how you can find her on Instagram, but don't worry, I will include a link to her Instagram and website and all the good stuff in the show notes for you to check out for later. So why don't we go ahead and you can check out this awesome interview with Ellen and learn all sorts of things, especially about carving with an angle grinder. So here we go. So why don't we go ahead and just get started with, um, you know, if you could give a little kind of overview introduction of yourself, like 
what you do, what you make, um, a little bit about your family, your kiddos. All right. So I, I think, well, I call myself a furniture maker, okay. um, but I make a lot more than furniture, like way more. My, <laughs> my son describes me as a wood artist, which he's six and that's like the sweetest thing. One day he told me that he wanted to be, he wants to move to New York City and be a policeman, firefighter, wood artist. <laughs> nice. So the fact that he threw that into like his mm -hmm. list of, you know, dream job was pretty cool. But uh, I, so I have a, a bachelor's degree in sculpture, which is kind of how I fell into all of this. But um, my shop is in my garage and I've got this really cool, we, this house was made for us. We found it and it was amazing. And there's this awesome finished room on the back of my shop. Oh, and nice. the shop is attached to the house through a mudroom. So it's separate. My kids can't get in there unless I let them. And mm -hmm. I've got this really great space that is at home and has allowed me to do this from home, which I think is a rare luxury. And I'm really thankful, uh, especially since I really am doing this because I have kids. Like, mm -hmm. that making because I have kids but I get to do it from home and keep them I mean right. there's but when they right. were little yeah yeah it was really great like my I only worked during nap times for several years and that mm -hmm. was incredible but my husband's also an artist he's got an MFA in sculpture and he works here in Bowling Green at Bowling Green State University and that's how we ended up in this awesome small town um, we moved here right after I graduated college five years ago. And I love it. It's a fun, very creative, community-based place. And so we're raising our family here. My business is really picked up here as in the community and part of the community. And I think that that's kind of what is driving most of my success. I mean, social media, yeah, but I think I'm trying to do all of the community things as mm -hmm. well. So. That's cool. Yeah. So what about your childhood? I mean, did that lend itself to kind of help you become an artist or? I, I think so, but not in a typical way. My dad is a PhD in English and my mom is a fundraiser. <laughs> okay. So they are not, they're both very creative. Right. People, but they're not makers by any means. And they, I never... I never really took art. I always rearranged our house and I built this, we could call it a desk um, <laughs> in high school and it was lime green and pink and it was, wow. It was <laughs> um, by no means what I make now, but I, I think that I kind of had this hidden drive to make and they never slowed that down. But like I said, I didn't take art lessons or class or anything okay. I'm by no means um I mean I think I posted a picture on Instagram of my dad's drill that's from like 1970 maybe right. like, yeah <laughs> that's not his thing so um they yeah they're something but they're great and they support everything I'm doing now and I mean my mom comes up and takes the kids when I have a crazy schedule mm -hmm. and help out as much as she can so but yeah childhood wise definitely was not Creative. I was going to be a neonatologist. Like that was, I was dead set <laughs> to be a doctor and I was fine. I had great grades. Like I was right. going to do it. 
And I'm like, eh, eh, never mind. I'm going to be an artist. So, <laughs> so how did that switch happen? <laughs> I honestly think that it was realizing that I wanted to be a mom. Like, I have always, I carried a baby doll on my hip with far past an appropriate age. Like, mm-hmm. it was kind of to the point where I was weird. Um, <laughs> I loved other people's children. I, like, I babysat and nannied for this family that forever, that were just a huge part, and still are a huge part of who I am. And so I realized that if I went on this career path, I would, if I had kids young, I wouldn't see them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, how can I do something that I love and then still, you know, have children in? Cause I had my, I wanted to be young with my kids and I had my son when I was 23 mm-hmm. and it's been amazing. I mean, he's been such a huge part of everything and my daughter too. So mm-hmm. I think that's really how art happened. Okay. And I met my husband in art. Right. So that's, <laughs> that's a plus. Helped. Yeah. <laughs> that's a plus for sure. Um, so then how long have you been making and I mean, did you get started with doing the, the sculpture degree? That's how it got started or? Yeah. Like, so when I declared as in art, I went into graphic design because I thought I wanted to be an interior designer and I still kind of love that side of things. I think Mm -hmm. that it inspires a lot of my furniture, but so I took, you have to take one of each discipline as a class. And so I took 3d design. And I'm like, this is sweet. Like, I love power tools. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. And so I switched to sculpture. And then I took a couple sculpture classes, was really loving and like thriving, loving it. Knew that was where I was meant to be, like, you know, glue on my pants. And then, like, you know, <laughs> you know the, the, like, it's just amazing. And so then they offered a furniture elective class. And I took it and I made a coffee table out of Sapelli and it was eight quarter Sapelli. And wow. it, was, it was, gosh, it's gorgeous. It's one of my favorites. My mom still has it because I can't sell, like I can't part with it. It was right. Yep. <laughs> but like it was this three foot square top and it was beautiful. And I matched the grain like way more than like way more thinking, I think, than I would now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. This is me. This is my starting point. Um, and I'm like, this is great. And then I built a bench and that was the two big projects we did. Mm-hmm. I talked to my professor and I'm like, Hey, I want to keep making this kind of thing. And he's like, okay. And then I made a grandfather clock and now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and my whole senior show was all functional work and mm-hmm. cool. There. So what was the first time you picked up a tool well other than my really great desk that I built in high school <laughs> I, I am I, I think that it would have to then be college and like 3d design I know I used the jigsaw um then I made this in sculpture like my first sculpture class I made this giant fingerprint like on it was oak plywood oh and I print had like a I, I mean, it was a, it was at least, I mean, it's four feet wide, probably six, five or six feet long. Oh, it's wow. in the forensic science center. Like it, they have it in the forensic science center at Marshall university. Mm-hmm. But I, we had this beast of a bandsaw in the like art warehouse is what they call mm-hmm. the sculpture studio. And I, to cut that fingerprint, like stood oh, over my the gosh. <laughs> 
and hours. And I still feel like I use my bandsaw in the same way. Like I use it way too often. <laughs> a lot of blades because I think it can do more than it can. <laughs> I think that that like, that was the big shift. And then I, we had a saw stop there. So I think that that's what eased me into like big tools, but I yeah. didn't buy, when I bought a table saw, I didn't buy a saw stop. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that that was, those were the two big, big tools that got me into, I think the confidence to use tools. Okay. That's, so, go back. so was that intimidating at first? Like with that bandsaw and the big figure yeah. print? I mean, I can imagine it. Probably it had to be a little bit. Yeah, not as much as it should be because I feel like my husband works with college students and yeah. like invincibility. Yeah, is, yeah. So I probably should have been more scared than I was, <laughs> but I'm also such a meticulous worker at times that it, I was respectful, I guess, of the tool. But yeah, I think it's incredibly intimidating. My first time using an angle grinder, I was terrified. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's like my left hand. Yep. So. I think that, yeah, that's definitely, it can get scary, but I think there's just this respect level with what you're using. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had, um, I've had with the angle grinder, some things go like flying into my gut, you know, yep. and it's kind of like, oh yeah, reminder, this is a power tool. <laughs> yeah, no, I got one time before I switched to like the heavy giant DeWalt angle grinder, my, I would fling so much dust that the switch would get stuck. Yep. And I would then like wrestle the cord to get it unstuck. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, oh, I thought I turned it off and I plug it back in and I hadn't turned it off and like <laughs> across yep. the driveway. Yeah. I've definitely gotten safer. <laughs> okay, I gotta double check these and not let my you know switch get clogged. So. Yeah. Yeah, you were probably like you were the first um woman I saw using the angle grinder to carve. Like you know, I've seen all these like Instagram accounts of all these men doing it, but I was mm -hmm. like, hell yeah, there's another woman out there who's using the, to do the there's, same thing. Yeah. There's nothing like carving with an angle grinder. Yeah. Like, it is greatest stress relief. It is like, <laughs> this incredible power trip of, oh man, I love it. Yeah. Yes. I, I like glue as much as I can in waves so that I have like a week of carving that I just get to carve and that's all I have to do. <laughs> that's sweet. Okay. So if you're doing that for a week, you know, I might be veering off uh, question topics here, but as a fellow, as a fellow carver person, like how do you not like my right hand stops working after a while <laughs> of like using the angle grinder that long? I honestly, I used to be the same way. I have freakishly strong hands now. <laughs> I find it really strange. Although I feel like my fingertips are not as dexterous as they used to be because I think maybe muscle mass, like I don't have like the, I seriously do a lot of my kids fine motor stuff with them because I know I need that. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, kind of spongy, especially when I've part, if I'm like carving a ton, my typing yeah. turns into gibberish. Yep. Yep. Because my fingertips are so done. But that's like, I work that way where I'm like, if I get on something, I'm going to do it until it's done. Yeah. Like right now I'm redoing like my shop organization and making a million things. <laughs> it's absolute chaos, but I'm like, I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to mm -hmm. do it now. So. Yep. 
Yeah, it was watching your account where I switched over to the King Arthur's tools because I had been using the Arbor Tech. Yeah. And like, I think there's a place and time for that stuff. Um, but I just find like there's so much more flexibility with the King Arthur's tools. Like it's more, I don't know, like more fine-tuned finesse. Yeah, like you can take a lot away, but you can also just take a little away. Yeah. I, yeah, I used, I very briefly used an Arbor Tech. And I, um, and that was, gosh, this was, I think when I was pregnant with my youngest. So that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. And I hated what it, like the, I felt like I was being hit constantly with like needles. Like I didn't yep. like that. Yeah. Yes, you can wear a face shield and you can wear overalls and you wear all this. I don't have time to like, <laughs> yeah. Up. Yeah. I'm, I'm typically like, I run out and carve, blow myself off and come back in. I don't have time yep. to do that. Yep. But I've always had the Galahad. I mean, okay. For the, I bought my first Holy Galahad at, at 2000, like late 2009, maybe midsummer 2009. And I've been using one ever since, mm-hmm. except for the brief window of like, oh, maybe I should try this because that's what, right. University. And then, like, no. <laughs> yeah, I just got the um, Guinevere and use that to like sand out my last bowl. And I'm like, oh where have you been all my life? <laughs> no, I, I haven't really used, I don't, I haven't made a ton of bowls, but I love that tool. I made a cradle for my niece and that's why I bought that. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It yeah. does everything. And then I bought, I buy these like sanding mops mm-hmm. and stick them in either side. So when I'm sanding like tiny things like toys or whatever, I just run them through the mop mm-hmm. and then they're done. Like I don't have to hand sand. It's beautiful. Okay. Like, I need you to send me a link to the sanding mops. Yeah, I will. No, they're okay. in, especially like spoons too. Cause you can get them all the way up to like 800. And I wonder if that would make sanding my uh, coasters like way easier. Yes. Yes, it would. It would cut okay. your time in like a quarter. Okay. I need that like now. Yeah. And just make sure <laughs> they do like, I try to, I like my entire life is in 20 minute increments. Um, and so I try, I make sure that I don't overwork the tool. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a powerful motor. Yeah. And it's easy to kind of get lost into making. And I've done this before, but it's, you know, it is one of my favorite things ever. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll try to get us back on topic here. Um, all right, so did you, when you started, because I know you said you kind of got into art uh, because you wanted to be a mom and, you know, and mm-hmm. because of kids, did you intend to turn it into a business? Uh, I think that I always had plans to be, to be able to make money with an art degree, which I think, I know a lot of people I graduated with are doing nothing with their art degrees. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure maybe at home, but they're not their primary right. source of income. So I, you know, I, I wanted to not be that statistic and to do it. Um, so I think though, I didn't really, when I graduated, we moved immediately and we moved up here and I didn't know exactly how to start because I left this giant, fully equipped warehouse mm-hmm. and I came here with an angle grinder and a jigsaw yeah. <laughs> I had and a few clamps like not right. a lot right um, but I made my son 
we called it the little bear chair because we called him little bear mm-hmm. we call him little bear which is my name but i changed the letters um and i made so i made that and it ended up being this really cool form and so then one of who was it i guess it was one of my mom's colleagues wanted one and then somebody else wanted one and mm-hmm. another person and i'm like okay and again full out jigsaw carving i had a I didn't even have an Orville sander. I had a, like a the DeWalt palm sander, and I pretty yep. much wore the rubber pad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like what I started, and then my sister found out she was pregnant, and so I love Sam Maloof. Like he, mm-hmm. incredible maker, and he yep. makes made obviously not anymore. He's dead. These incredible cradles, and I always thought, I'm like, I want to make a cradle. I think I probably when I was thinking it thought I wanted to make one for my own child but I don't like nobody has time for that yep so (laughs) especially with I don't do pregnancy well so I knew that that wasn't going to be a thing so I made my niece this cradle and it was huge and that's when I got the Guinevere and I did it with what I had eventually my dad got me a bandsaw for Christmas as I he saw me slaving over the (laughs) yep I like I'm like oh well I don't need an excuse to not make big pieces like I can mm-hmm. keep and so I did and we have this festival here called Black Swamp which I built up to all summer mm-hmm. like a few weeks getting into it and so the second year we lived here I decided to do that so I applied the pictures I applied with were awful I don't know how honestly I don't know how I got in like I draped a gray sheet against my dining room wall because I didn't have right yeah I hadn't thought through the process of how to right. do it yet. Right. And I magically got in. And so I'm like, this is great. Like, I'm going to do this. And I started all these big plans and all these tools. And I glued up little bear chairs. And I still had my work for my senior show, thankfully, because then I got pregnant. And I have, like, I'm the 1% of women that have hyperemesis gravidarum the entire pregnancy. So... From about four weeks until I had my daughter, I threw up at least six times a day. And <laughs> yeah, no. And so both of my pregnancies ended with pick lines and home health IVs. Yeah. Awful. And it shuts down. And I, because of that, with both, I had horrible postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so my first black swamp, I was pregnant, leaving to go vomit. And I got second place in the show and I'm like oh okay so despite all of these horrible things that are happening <laughs> right and despite the fact that I had half the work that I planned to have and my husband had to sand chairs for me because I couldn't stand up any longer and mm-hmm. you know like all of that people saw that what I was making was cool and different mm-hmm. and so yeah I sold I sold a fair amount of stuff and but then like getting an award in the middle of all of that was like, okay, like this can happen. Hello, Maker Moms. This week's episode is sponsored by Carolina Boots. As most of you know, one of the most important tools a maker can have is a good pair of work boots. Carolina Boots has been making safety footwear for Maker Moms since 1963. And you can get 10% off your very own pair by visiting carolinashoe.com and using coupon code MAKERMOM10 at checkout. These boots are made for function, not fashion, and they are built for her work. 
Mm-hmm. And so it did. And I, once I had my daughter, I, she was an easy second baby that like slept all the time. And my son at that time was really cool. He was just like, I mean, he's still really cool, but he would just, like, hang out on the floor in the garage while she's napping. And I was right. able to work like all the time after, once I was able to get back up and go. And so it really pulled me out of depression a lot faster with her. I was able to like see my worth, not only mm-hmm. as a person, but as like a contributing member to my family and to like my community and my community economics and all of that. So my next black swamp, I had her, you know, nursing all the time instead of vomiting all the time. And I, <laughs> I rocked it. And right. I just, this is what I'm like, this is it. Like, this is how I'm going to do it. And we bought this house shortly after that. And we're just, this house is everything. I mean, it's why I get to do it. It's amazing. And they're awesome. My kids are awesome. And, you know, it's, and my husband is fantastic and has facilitated so much for me to chase my own dream. That's so awesome. Wild ride. But, yeah. <laughs> Were you making when you had your son? Like, yeah, do you I feel? I took a year off from college. Okay. I didn't, I didn't intend to. So I, um, I thought that I'd be able to be in school mm-hmm. this semester. He was born in December. So I thought I'd be able to work, you know, up until right. the weekend. Um, I ended up medically withdrawing because of hyperemesis um, early October. So I barely made it like four weeks, mm-hmm. and, um, which was fine. And I had planned to take off the spring semester to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was born in December. And then I had uh, this great time at, him, at home with him. I think that not making probably, I think if I had started making sooner, I would have not suffered as much on like the postpartum depression side. Like I would have been able to, you know, had a reason to really right. leave the house. Like, right. My, that kind of thing. But I'm so thankful for the time I had at home with him and getting to, you know, mm-hmm. really experience motherhood in that state. But I went back to school when he was nine months for my last year of school. And I paid other students to like keep him during classes. Mm-hmm. He came with me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. My husband would work like flex hours around my studio schedule and my mom lived in the town I went to school. So she would keep him and it was this whole like, we had this, like a bunch of the 3D major kids had this joke that like people say that it takes an, a village to raise a child, but really it just takes an art department. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, we passed him around and I have pictures of him with headphones on in the shop so that he doesn't, you know, like it was yep. great. And he's always been, he's always been part of it. I have great, like him sanding, like my final pieces. And he's this tiny little, little thing. But yeah, so I was making before, yeah, before him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So how do you now manage being an active mom, maker, and business owner? I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> that I do. <laughs> um, I think that. I, so I try to do all of the things. Yeah. I, I, I try to make a million things in my shop at a time. I have made and am making homemade Halloween costumes. You know, <laughs> we have bats all over our ceiling because they want to make Halloween decorations. Mm-hmm. I throw the birthday parties and I build the Halloween float. I mean, the Christmas float for the school and 
I do soccer practice and ballet, and now we're into hockey, which is a whole new. <laughs> so I do. I try to do it all. I don't always do it all. And then, mm-hmm. so I think, that, okay, so the way that I manage is that I accept when I can't do it all, but okay. I try to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, my house is a wreck sometimes, and mm-hmm. it's okay. My, we like, my kids think that appetizer dinner is this huge delicacy, but really it's a desperate attempt to put like a food group on tray and, but they love it and they think it's some huge treat. I, I might have to steal that idea because it is incredible. They think it's amazing. They th- I think they think they're at like a cocktail party or something. Yeah. <laughs> cut and like I did roll up that piece of ham very nicely for you. <laughs> but it works I mean that's kind of how we do it and I I take their cues when I because I easily get lost in the shop to where I want to be out there as much as possible especially mm-hmm. when I'm like really excited about what I'm making or if I'm on a mm-hmm. deadline but I I mean I take their cues there are times where I can see if my daughter is extra whiny and clingy I know I'm working too much Mm-hmm. And my son, he's pretty point blank about it. And is like, <laughs> mom, I want to do this. I'm tired of you working. Mm-hmm. But their cues tell me when I'm, when I'm overdoing it on that yep. side of things. And so that's hard to, yep. <laughs> because I mean, I love what I do, but I love them more. So, mm-hmm. but they also do like, I think that one of my big breakthroughs the past couple of years is having stuff for them to do out there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm lucky. We have this obnoxiously large driveway um, that I think that whoever poured it just hated cutting grass because we have this <laughs> tiny spot of grass in this huge driveway. So I park across the end of the driveway, open up my shop doors. I'm in the shop. They're riding bikes. Mm-hmm. Or my son has a drawer in the toolbox with his glue, his like tiny spring clamp, yep. and just a bunch of wood that – Sometimes I would use, and I do kind of raid his stack a little bit. <laughs> he just pulls it, and then he he makes his own stuff. And Eloise, too, she likes painting more, so she just paints on top of scraps. But mm-hmm. I think including them out there make, not only, you know, gives me more time, but it, it gives them this, like, self-worth out there. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so cool. So Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. What would you say is your favorite part about being a maker? Oh um the challenge uh like the challenge the challenge of making a physical piece especially out of I don't ever I mean I very rarely draw things out so I have this like this mental image of what something's going to look like and then making it that's a ton of fun but also making things that other people are going to think is cool is a fun challenge something that I can sell is a challenge, uh, something that actually functions. Like, for instance, I, all of the time people ask me, like, other woodworkers are like, I hate making chairs. Like, why do you love making chairs so much? I'm like, it's a challenge. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a very competitive person. And I think I'm constantly competing against myself mm-hmm. in making what I, whatever I can try to make. So, and okay. have it stay together and not fall apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be key. Um, so then what's your favorite part about being a mom? Okay. That's a hard one. That's <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> that 
Okay, that I get to shape and inspire my really cool kids that are <laughs> completely cool on their own mm -hmm. to be humans that are strong and kind and that I get to let them ch chase whatever dream they have and be part of their ride because mm -hmm. they're on they're on my wild ride and I love <laughs> that I get to be part of theirs. So awesome. But I think yeah, just I mean we have such a like this huge responsibility as moms to make mm -hmm. you know smart kids and you know hard workers but also just like nice and kind and mm -hmm. accepting children. I think that my favorite part of this is that I get to hopefully help the world with like improving my kids' lives and making mm -hmm. sure that they're kind before they're anything else. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's my part of being a mom. Okay. Have you uh, faced any challenges or um, um, maybe just struggled with anything in general as far as? being a woman in a more male-dominated field? Oh, yes. I could go down a very deep <laughs> hole here. <laughs> I think um, my biggest challenge with it is confidence. And not only having confidence, but controlling confidence. Um, I know I can make just mm -hmm. about it. And I know what I make it will be as good as, if not better than, what a mm -hmm. man can in what I'm doing. Um, I think that it's taken me a long time to get to that point because I am constantly questioned. Um, you know, oh, like if I'm at a store, luckily my Home Depot knows me well now. <laughs> and I buy my, we have a Toledo plywood and they're great and they know who I am and it's mm -hmm. fine. But I cannot tell you how many times it's like, oh, are you buying this for your husband? No, I'm not. Like, no, mm -hmm. I'm buying this. Like, no, I'm not. And <laughs> the guys at Home Depot now know that I, A, can pick up a four by eight sheet of plywood by myself. I think mm -hmm. they're starting to be able to judge my face if they should help me or not. <laughs> I'm going to dig through a pile of plywood to make sure it's straight. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not, not going to take a piece of junk on the top. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't get my, like, furniture plywood as much from them anymore as I do from um, Toledo plywood. But still, like... I'm going to do it and I'm going to tell you exactly where to cut and I'm going to make sure you're going to cut it right. And like, uh -huh. these are the things. And I think that I've had to get the confidence to do that, to not feel like I need to be quiet and let, you know, men do men's work. Because it's not, like, it's right. not a <laughs> So then I ask people that I'm curious and someday I'm going to do an experiment to where like, okay, so setting the stage at festivals, people don't understand. They're like, oh, you're the artist? I'm like, yeah, I'm the artist. Mm -hmm. I, I want to wear like a t-shirt that says like, I'm the artist. <laughs> like, with like thumbs up, like pointing at my face. But my husband is never in my booth. And he is not in my booth by choice. Like, I've never said anything to him. But he doesn't like that when someone walks into my booth and wants to ask a question, if he's in there, they immediately go to him to ask a question. Mm -hmm. Like immediately, and it is, it's frustrating. So he's literally never, I don't see him for the entire weekend. He's typically with the kids, but, or he'll be like 
off to the side and I can watch him watching and it's sweet, but also it kind of stinks because I don't get to enjoy mm -hmm. you know, the experience with him because he doesn't want the credit because he, he's not doing it. And I've had people come in and ask like, oh, you do all this? I'm like, yes. And then most recently a man said, well, what does your husband do? The dishes? And I was like, well, actually we both do the dishes and like, this is my thing. So mm -hmm. I, and I I have to, I have to hold my tongue and I get messages and comments that I fight the urge to retort and like, I'm not going to engage in, in this. And most of the time I delete them, um, messages, I just don't accept them. Um, but I think that the whole mansplaining thing, yeah, it's a reality, but I also have these incredible men in this field, like my neighbor, Tom, awesome dude, woodworker. He has never once belittled me for what I'm doing. And he's an older guy and retired and is in awe of what I make. And if I need a giant clamp, he loans it to me. And then our local woodcraft, it's a husband and wife that own it. And she's amazing, but all of the guys there are so great and so encouraging and I've never felt, you know, belittled by them or. I think I've, I've found like if somebody, if it's, uh, you know, a man who also does woodworking or who is also a maker, like they instantly respect you just as a maker, not yeah. because of your gender, but it's like, it's like the outside people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, the people at like Home Depot or, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I've been asked several times, like, you know, do you have somebody to help you with that at home or do you know how to use that tool? And it's like, no, I got it. <laughs> what do you mean? Do I do all of it? Yes, yeah. I do. What, what other choice is there? I, yeah. I, I have a full staff. I don't, sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that like one of the things that I try to do as like, cause I, I mean, I get, I do get frustrated when there are ridiculously unrelated comments on like my page or other women's pages or even other men's pages mm -hmm. to where I like to then like comment back with something that's completely not related to what they're saying but related to the post so someone sent me a message that said that I looked just like this other, or I was just as beautiful and looked so much like this other maker and I'm like I roll, but I took the opportunity and I went to her page and I looked at it and I responded to him. Wow. She makes incredible stuff. Thanks for linking me to her profile. Mm -hmm. And just like, yeah, I'm not going to engage with what you're saying. Like right. I, I'm going to engage with the positive side of it. So that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's always going to be people that think, you know, a male doctor is better than a female doctor. I think that that's just where we are. Mm -hmm. But I also know that, you know, my little hands and, you know, petite frame can carve for six hours straight and I can lift a lot of weight and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, physically and mentally capable of making whatever I want to make. And yep. it has you know, nothing to do with my gender. It has everything to do with my mind. Yep. So <laughs> someday maybe people will understand that. And I think that it's, you know, giving us this opportunity with our kids to show that, you know, woodworkers aren't just men. And right. you know, like, I want my daughter to shatter every glass ceiling she can, whether it be in making or like 
rocket science. I want her to know that she is as valuable as any other person in this world. So mm -hmm. I think that's the challenge, confidence. Yep. Totally. <laughs> okay. Um, so what, and I know you've kind of touched on it a bit, but what do you want your kids to learn most from, I think from both watching you be a maker, but also watching you have it be a business as well? Um, I think that, I think that they, I want them to learn that, well, two, I want them to know two things. One, that I'm sacrificing a lot, obviously, for them. And so mm -hmm. as much as I wish I could just play all day long with them, <laughs> I want them to know that I'm doing it, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not playing for that one round of skipbo because I got to <laughs> go do it. And they're right. going to be, like, I want them to know that it's not because I don't want to be with them. It's because I want to build a better future for them. But I also want them to know that they can, they can do anything and they can do anything with what they have. And they don't have to, you know, if they don't have to be some mold of, if, you know, this American dream, they make their own dream. It doesn't have to be anything other than what they want. And then they have to work really hard for it because things don't come easily. It's, and if they do, then they're not worth having. Like you have to work for, for what you want to do. And for this business, that's all I do. And I think that they see that. And, you know, if they become a firefighter, policeman, wood artist, they're going to have to work for it. And I think that they know that because they see how hard I work and my husband works. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. So last question I usually like to ask is, um, you know, if there was another mom out there who wanted to start making, um, and I classify that not just as like woodworking, but you know, yeah. any form of making, but they were hesitant or maybe had that lack of confidence to get started. What would you say to them to maybe help get them over that hurdle? Um, I posted about this the other day, but I found, I don't remember, I've read this quote, this Theodore Roosevelt quote that said, it was like, do what you can with what you have where you are. And I feel like it tells so much of a story in what I've done, but also what can be done. Because you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to have a sewing machine to sew. You have to have a needle and thread. So you mm -hmm. don't, I mean, you don't have to have a table saw to make a table. And so I think that my advice would be to, to start small and to explore your dream and build upon what you have and what you can make with what you have. And then when you make it, you'll learn and you'll teach yourself that you can do more and mm -hmm. involve your family in what you're doing. I mean, if, if you can make, an area for your kids to be with you, whether it be a sewing room or a wood shop, or, I mean, I guess it would be kind of hard in like a metalsmith shop, sparks. Right. <laughs> but like, I think that involving your family in your whole process and my kids stamp my bags, like there's something for everybody and mm -hmm. don't do it alone because it's lonely, it's harder. And you know, it's, it's definitely not as fun. Right. Yeah, I think that's what I would say. Okay. 
Um, so how can people find you on all the social media if they want to okay. follow along with you? So I'm most active on Instagram and most transparent on Instagram. Um, try to be pretty real with whatever's going on. And that's at Little Bear Furniture, B-A-R-E. Mm -hmm. um, and I do have my Facebook is also Little Bear Furniture and my Instagram's tied to that. But I do a lot um, more of my like sale posts, um, things I'm selling are through Facebook. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely Instagram is more of my journey of woodworking and business ownership and motherhood. That's all kind of on there. I do occasionally link things that are for sale, but um, I've had more success selling on Facebook than on Instagram. Um, and then my website, I try to stay up with. I'm not the greatest at that, um, but it's www.littlebearfurniture.com. Um, I occasionally post blogs and do have an email subscriber list. Um, someday I'll actually get videos on my YouTube channel. I think I have two. Um, you do, and they're great, FYI. Like, I'm like, this needs to be out there. Like, you show what it means to be like a maker. I, know. I, know. I was thinking that. I'm like, I, should, I feel like I, my life has gotten even more crazy. I need to record it now. But um, yeah, I think that I do. I love those videos. They're my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, I had to bust out the old dinosaur Mac to use the same song because <laughs> the computer doesn't have it. But yeah. Um, and then I have like locally for the Northwest Ohio, um, Southeast Michigan, I guess I could even say Eastern Indiana. So it's not that far. Um, I have a couple local events. I've got Bowling Green does this fun downtown festival now and they're doing a fall one. So that's October 19th. That's Friday. Um, I teach local workshops, which is my new thing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I have one of those on the 20th um, of October. And then I do this really cool, worth driving for open house. I did it last year. It was a big success um, because I got to meet people and I didn't have to leave my house, which is a total bonus. But um, <laughs> at my shop, it's some, hypothetically, is going to be clean. Um, and we have food and... I've done a lot of the work in our house, like a lot of it. It's built mm -hmm. a breakfast bar, done a lot of stuff in my kids' rooms and our bedroom. And so I show all that off because I do that too, like on, mm -hmm. I mean, I paint murals, which is weird, but um, so I do that and that's November 10th from three to seven. And it's just this fun holiday, shopping event but also like I get to show off my tools and my space and talk to other makers and the guys all from Woodcraft came down last year and we just had a great time and um yeah it's just like a big party kind of <laughs> so if that's November yeah November 10th and then I'm doing a little um my favorite place in Bowling Green is our coffee shop it's called Drowns for Thought and this year I'm participating in their Christmas uh, boutique and oh. so I'm gonna have like um, I hoard all my scraps all year to make ornaments and like little toys for Christmas. Mm -hmm. so that's what my life is about to become. But um, yeah, so I'm going to do that in December 8th. So. Awesome. So I've awesome. got a lot coming up, but in a good way. And I turned 30 in November. So that's another 
big scary thing that's coming out. Oh, it's not scary. 30s are the best, believe me. <laughs> I bet. I feel like I'm, I honestly feel like I'm already 30. I, yeah. I think it's just life. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, thank you for thank you. taking the time to talk with me today and share your story. Really appreciate that. Thank you for including me. Yes. It'd be really great. I can't wait to listen to all of them. Yes, I think it's going to be fun. All right. Again, that was Ellen with Little Bear Furniture. I hope you enjoyed this flashback episode back to episode two. And I, might I remind you that episode one is the is my introduction, so I don't have a guest uh, that I'm interviewing on episode one. So this is my very first guest interview was with Ellen um and she was a champ and made it through all of my i had super big technical difficulties at the start my original mic quit working and all that fun stuff that of course has to happen when you're getting started on a brand new uh project uh a brand new i guess yeah brand new project so she was a trooper and i really enjoyed the interview um and i hope you enjoyed it too and again if you're new well, welcome. And make sure you go back and start at the beginning and you can listen to Ellen again and then listen to the rest of these awesome maker moms that we have had on so far. Episode 37. Can hardly believe it. We are well on our way uh, to hitting, you know, episode 52, which will make a year uh, in October. And I'm stoked for that. Makes me think, hmm, maybe I'll have to come up with something fun to do for that episode for our one year anniversary episode. All right. Until next week, Maker Moms, I will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.